Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today we've got a great story of revenge against a friend that used another person as bait for a guy they liked. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, you're going to lie to the police? I'll go along with it, I guess. So I got into a car accident a few days ago. It was minor, but mostly my fault. I was doing a K-turn out of a residential driveway on a busy street, and while backing up, hit a car that was speeding to get past. No airbags were deployed, and both cars were completely drivable. This accident happened about 4.45. In the car was a middle-aged father and mother with a toddler in a car seat in the back next to the door that was hit. This family does not speak English. The father got out of the car and did the immediate look at my damage woes that come with an accident. He tells me there's a baby in the back and shows me the still sleeping child. His wife immediately gets on the phone with who I believe is the police. We pull into a parking lot to get off the busy road and wait. About 20 minutes later, I grabbed their hubcap out of the road and handed it to the gentleman and he opened the back door again and showed me the sleeping baby. It's now about 5.40 and the couple's niece and her boyfriend show up. They immediately demand money to fix the car, and I told them we'll go through insurance. She asks several times if I really want to go that way, and I told her that there was no way I had the money to fix both cars, so insurance it is. She proceeds to call the police at that point. The aunt was on the phone with her, and not the police? Ugh, fine, I'll wait even longer for the police to come then. Around 6.15, the toddler finally wakes up and starts crying. It's now been asleep for at least an hour and a half and most likely is hungry. At 6.30, the cops show up and ask the niece if the baby needs paramedics. And the niece, who didn't show up until almost an hour after the initial collision, starts to lie to the police about how the baby's been crying since the accident and to send them. I've been in a few accidents over my years as a driver, and now I'm starting to smell what this really is. Insurance scam. I looked through my dash cam and was able to prove they sped through a red light before the driveway where I turned from. When the cop came to ask me what happened, I told him my side of the events and showed him the dash cam proving the light was red in the direction they claimed to be coming from. For good measure, I told the police that the baby only started crying about 15 minutes prior to when they got there. The niece started screaming that I was lying. I then told the police officer, If what she says is true, then I'd like to make a claim against them for child endangerment. They claim that baby was crying for the last two hours from the accident, and never once did they call 911 for medical assistance. They called their niece to come here instead of emergency services and only asked for them after they were offered? The car seat also isn't center-mounted like required by state law and should be cited. At that point, the niece is calling me every name in the book like she just found I cheated on her from Jerry Springer. I then calmly tell the officer that my dash cam was running the entire time we were stopped and have it on record when the child woke up. The officer looked at her and said, Ma'am, it's a crime to lie on a police report. Was the baby crying since the accident? All of a sudden, she now had to check with her aunt and uncle to find out. She withdrew her claim and the officer tossed out her witness statement because she wasn't an actual witness to anything. Hopefully no bullcrap lawsuit comes from it. All I'm saying is, I would get that dash cam backed up on five different USBs, two different hard drives, maybe get a tape recorder, 
Back that thing up on every format you can and make sure you can't lose that. I'm willing to bet they wouldn't take this to some BS lawsuit, but if they did, you've got the proof. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, he messed with me for being the unit mail clerk, so I messed with his mail, legally. The pen story on the front page triggered my memory of this, so here goes. I was deployed to Iraq with the Army National Guard in 2010. I was the unit paralegal and the only legal rep of any kind for the unit, so while I was only an E4, promoted to E5 during the deployment, the squadron commander insisted on me having my own office. To facilitate this, he also made me the unit mail clerk, as signature mail required that it be in its own office separate from everything else. As a result, my legal paperwork had to be in a different room, but everything was on my laptop so we made it work. The mail rules were simple. If the mail did not require a signature, it could go to the unit mail clerks to pass out. If it required a signature, they would have to come to me on an individual basis. For headquarters, my unit, I passed out both to each individual personally. We had this one major we'll call Major Dude because dude was his favorite word. Major Dude was actually a fun guy, someone that I truly respected and enjoyed talking with and working for. He was an avid collector of expensive pens. I mean, $200 to $500 per pen kind of deal. He ordered a pen that was around $250, if I recall correctly, and forgot that it generally took two to three weeks for mail to get from stateside to us. Even longer if you're importing from another country, since it has to pass through the state still. He starts getting impatient and starts ribbing me about how I'm holding his mail. This changes less to ribbing and more to chastising, and he seems to think that I'm truly holding his mail just to screw with him. Something I had never done to a single person at that point, and would continue to not do because US mail is serious business. After several weeks the package comes in, and I had this brilliant idea. The mail requires a signature, so I send out the daily email, you've got mail for those who need to meet me to sign for their mail. I then photocopy the mailing label, poorly, slap it on a bubble mailer, and grab this oversized fat novelty pen from the drawer left behind from the prior unit. I head over to the TOC, Tactical Operations Center, where Major Dude's office is, see he isn't there, and leave the fake package on his desk. I'm told later in the day that he's back from whatever he was doing, so I head over with his real package. I'm holding it behind me and ask him if he's got his pen. He looked at me and said sheepishly, Yeah, but they sent me the wrong one. Look at this thing. So I told him that I was just messing with him for messing with me and please sign for the actual package. His response? So loud that everyone in the tactical operations center could hear, You freaking jerk! Followed by, I just sent them a nasty email. At that point, the higher-ups, people above his head who I was on good terms with and were well aware of what was going on, came in to see the damage. Major Dude is very upset and telling me he's going to have to lose my rank for messing with the mail. Our squadron commander, SC, interrupts to ask him some questions. They say, did he withhold your mail? He says no. Did he deliver your signature mail without obtaining your signature? No. Did you mess with him relentlessly for several weeks and ultimately deserve this minor prank? Yes, sir. So maybe don't mess with my legal ninja going forward, okay? 
As an aside, he called me his legal ninja and had me use that title as my email signature until someone from higher up saw it and instructed me to be more professional, which I deserved. I didn't get in any trouble for the mail prank, and those who could get away with it teased him about it for a few weeks. The blip aside, we continued to have a good working relationship, and the guy was funny as heck. You know, hearing this story, I'm just a little disappointed. I was just expecting after you freaking jerk, when they followed that up, they would say, Dude, I just sent them a nasty email. Or, I just sent them a nasty email, dude. I'm having a severe lack of major dude's dudeness. This next story is, Steal my candy? No more for you. Now that spooky season is in full swing, I recently got reminded by a story from my childhood about Halloween and how younger me managed to take some small revenge on my mom. Also, English is my first language, so feel free to roast me in the comments for any mistakes I will inevitably make. Also, this story is kind of old, so some details might be missing or incorrect. Background, it was Halloween some years ago. I'm not sure which year, but I remember that the day after was a weekend, which is important for two reasons. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. One, I could stay up for up to an hour after trick-or-treating was over, and two, I didn't have school the next day. This will be important later. The story, day zero, after I'd finished my trick-or-treating that night, I stayed up for a bit longer than usual to sort my candy, something my ADHD brain loved doing. I also logged all my candy so I could tell when one of my siblings or parents inevitably stole from my haul. I noted that I'd had 12 of a specific candy, I think they were Butterfingers, and went to bed. Day 1. After waking up the next day, I noticed that the quantity of said candy was harshly reduced. I believe it went down to 4 pieces out of the original 12 that were there. Through process of elimination, I figured out who the culprit was. My dad was allergic to peanuts. Butterfingers, in case you didn't know, contained peanut butter. My older sister had trick-or-treated and then slept over at a friend's house and wasn't back yet. 
My older brother was in college, and my younger brother was four months old at the time and was unable to consume solid foods. That meant that the only suspect remaining was my mother. I was angry at her, but I knew better than to take it out on her because that would only get even more of my candy revoked. So I devised a plan. The plan? I don't know about other places, but where I used to live, our dentist's office did a candy buyback where you would trade in the candy that you didn't like and get money for it. If I recall correctly, the exchange rate is like a dollar per pound of candy. My mother would always force my siblings and I to do this program and we couldn't exactly say no. So my plan involved me bringing the candy that I knew my mom liked to the exchange. In addition, I managed to get my sister in on it as we were both tired of her stealing our candy. Day 4, around 4 days after Halloween ended, my mother dearest took us to the dentist for our yearly contribution to the candy buyback. Underneath the candy that everyone in the family unanimously hated was the candy my mother absolutely loved. Butterfingers and Reese's Cups, Snickers and Twizzlers, all of that was gone. Gone from both mine and my sister's stashes. It helped that neither of us loved the same candy that my mother did, aside from me with Butterfingers, but that was a sacrifice I was willing to make. The fallout, now me being a wee kid at the time, I didn't exactly see a juicy fallout, but I do have a clear memory from that year hearing my mom say to her friends that it was a shame that the kids didn't have any good candy from Halloween this year, and that she was looking forward to it as sister's name even went to a larger neighborhood, so she was expecting more candy that she liked. What's really funny to me is that the parents that pick at their kids' candy could literally have all that they want if they just went to the store and bought the discounted $5 big old bag of whatever candies they like. I guess it's a little less guilt-free in a different way because it's not like you went out and purchased this unhealthy candy, but you're still stealing from your kids. Although I think most parents would argue that that's the parental right. And shoot, you deserve some kind of kickback for taking them out trick-or-treating, right? I just wished that this story had a moment where they saw all the candy that you were taking to that buyback and were like panicking like, no, 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 those are really good ones, are you sure about that? Our next story is Rig the Chili Cook-Off? Okay, enjoy your toilet time. This happened some years ago at a job I no longer have in a state I no longer live in. I was reminded of it because of another non-food related contest I'm entering today. Some years ago, I worked in an office for a large medical insurance provider that really wanted to unite you with your health and care. As one often runs into such office environments, they were often morale-boosting events pizza parties, potlucks, etc. One such event was held in the cold winter much, and as such was themed as a chili cook-off. These were often an excuse for the office birds to get a free meal and not do their jobs, but I am nothing if not violently competitive. I also happen to be a decent cook, so I saw it as an opportunity to flex a little. Come cook-off day, I presented my offering along with a dozen or so others. Judging was done by three other staff within the office, not within the circle of the birds. One could purchase a ticket to sample the wares, thereby solving your lunch problem in the process. By the end of the event, my offering was the only one that was empty. The judges, who were publicly known this wasn't a blind event or anything, all asked me separately what was in my chili, ingredients, processes, etc. 
It was clear from the office chatter outside of the birds that I was well ahead of the pack. I didn't win. It is at this point I should note that I've run afoul of the birds before. I don't politic very well. I also have a problem with people that don't want to get their crap done and think it's someone else's problem. I'm very much a, if we all do the job, we all get done faster type. Amish's moving a barn and all that. Safe to say, the birds didn't want yours truly to win, as they handed it over to somebody that had widely been branded as canned chili. Okay, I see how it is. I got you. I'm patient. I got time. If there's one thing about the birds, it's predictability. If there's two things about the birds, it's greed. They of course want more food and to not work, so they want another event. Chili Cook-Off brought a metric freak ton of free food in. They know I'm dang good at what I do, so of course I get asked if I'm getting down. I want revenge. Y'all robbed me like I don't know. Game on, benches. I spent the next several days cleaning out every grocery store I could find of every conceivable violently hot pepper I could get. This was Minnesota in the middle of winter, so really not that bad. I wasn't getting reapers. I also cooked up some secrets that would put the double whammy on the spice, making sure the birds were gonna pay. I wasn't playing for the win here, I was playing for violence. It should be noted at no point was I attempting to poison these women. I'm not that guy. Everything I made was completely edible. Really freaking good in fact. I went with chicken this run, used bacon too. Nice thick cut smoky bacon from the butcher. I want to say this batch of chili cost me like $75. It was delicious, and I put all my mojo on it. Toasted spices, roasted peppers, all of it. This wasn't Mr. and Mrs. Tennerman chili. Game day, there were several other competitors again, though sadly not as many as last time. A good friend had been talking smack about some recipe he has, so we did a little cross-promotional sneak preview. He almost died. My chili turned him beet red and he had the sweats like a Catholic priest got caught with his hands on an altar boy. I knew it was going to be a good time. Announcements go out. Grub line happens. I start hearing the sniffles. See a couple of dab tissues. A fanning here or there. In winter. In Minnesota. Then the birds arrive. I purposely ducked out to not make it too obvious that I was waiting. But I didn't even need to see it. That first. Whoo! told me I got one. I knew the rest weren't far behind. Not long after that, I see the judges. Usual questions about my recipe. Truth be told, I don't have one. I never do. I have tricks, I have methods, etc. But it's never the same twice. I'm always playing by ear. Cooking is art. Baking is science. One of the judges visibly has tears coming from his eyes. Said it was the hottest thing he'd ever eaten. Delicious, but insanely hot. I just kind of had to go, yeah, because I can't really explain that he was collateral damage in a revenge plot. Afternoon email goes out, shorter than the usual winner's announcement. I've been given the win. I like to think it's because my food was superior, and I believe it was, but I'm reasonably sure it was out of fear. The Walmart gift card I won didn't cover half the cost of the pot of chili, which was, once again, stone empty when I got it back. I never did hear how bad Montezuma was with his revenge. I don't like spicy food, but I'm still wanting to try this incredibly spicy chili. Cause hey, at the end of the day, people were crying, sniffling, going hoo, 
and yet that thing still ended up empty, so it must have been darn good still. Our next story is, try to get me fired. Enjoy the end of your law career. I'm John. I worked in a pizza shop back when I was in college. I worked with Sarah, a vindictive lady who would stir up a lot of drama. Sarah would pick a target and then bully them into quitting. Where I'm at, college students can receive welfare if their parents earn less than a certain threshold. I was ineligible for student support due to my parents' income, even though they didn't support me and I desperately needed this job. Matt, a new hire, quit after Sarah's harassment. Sarah's attention then turned to me. Sarah would approach my supervisor and spout bull like, Hey Mr. Supervisor, I asked John where the snake is and he said the snake is cutting pizzas. This while the supervisor was actually cutting pizzas? She would shout at me with extreme hostility. She wouldn't warn me if pans were hot, a major sin in kitchen jobs. She conspired with her friends to accuse me of slacking off, even though they'd never complained about me until Matt quit. This took a toll on me. My hours were cut, impacting both my financial and mental well-being. I even considered dropping out of college because I was struggling to afford rent. Sarah was illegally claiming student welfare despite being employed by the pizza shop. You can only claim the welfare if you're unemployed. Sarah, in the first year of her law degree, was also aspiring to become a lawyer. The thing about being a lawyer is that you need to be admitted to the bar to begin practicing. The law industry is very strict. Even proven allegations of plagiarism in college would make one permanently ineligible to become a lawyer. Frankly, she was stupid for defrauding the government. There is an anonymous complaints line for welfare fraud. Most of the time, the welfare department never follows up. Occasionally, however, they would send officials to investigate. This was one of those few times they followed up. I sent an anonymous tip stating the business, her schedule, her name, and her number. I was on shift when some officials from the welfare department came in, informing us that multiple complaints were made against Sarah. I think my boss could have just told them to scram since they probably didn't have a warrant, but instead of doing that, he licked their shoes, showing them all of the CCTV footage. The officials then questioned Sarah. She panicked, confessing to everything. I felt no sympathy for her. As a law student, she should have known to remain silent. Long story short, Sarah received a suspended sentence which would most certainly disqualify her from becoming a lawyer. She dropped out of college while I continued working at the pizza shop and eventually graduated with an associate's. I have an alright job now. I mean, I get it, this person is an absolute bench to you. No fun to put up with, you hate her guts. I still don't know if I were in OP shoes, if I'd have the ability to report her like this and potentially ruin their career, or well, their chances of getting that career, but I guess at the same time you do kind of reap what you sow. If it wasn't OP, maybe it was just going to be somebody else. I mean, hey, maybe all you need to know is how willingly the boss licked their shoes and said, yes, here's the CCTV footage. Maybe they were more than happy to get this person in trouble as well. This next story is, left girl with an $80 bar tab after being a dissociated twit. When I was single and dating in a large major US city, I met up with a girl at a bar for drinks after she expressed interest. I come from the traditional school of dating protocol, so I tend to assume that my job as the man is to make sure my date feels safe and has a good time, regardless of whether or not we have chemistry or it leads to things. It's like, we both made the effort to get dressed up, look nice, come out, give each other a chance. 
If it doesn't exactly work out, you want to respect that someone accepted your invitation and tried. Except for this vapid moral monstrosity. We get a table. I try to open things up, but she sits there texting for five minutes while we're waiting for our order. Occasionally apologizes, but basically just not looking at me, an attention span of a gnat. We start talking finally, and then she starts answering her buzzing phone again. I'm trying to joke about it at first, but then it just gets painfully awkward. Like, what the freak are you doing? Do you even see yourself? I have value too. We get our drinks. I try to restart the conversation. I make a low-level joke about how I'm going to throw it out the window. She doesn't take the hint. I order us two more drinks and an app, and then I realize I'm miserable. I down my drink and hit the loo. On my way out, the little gremlin in my head says, If she's still on her phone when you come out, you're done. She is. I look the other way and there's a service door open behind the kitchen. I turn right instead of left and exit into the sweet, sweet air of freedom. 30 minutes later, she texts, Did you leave? Guess I should have texted. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you texted her, she would have at least heard you then. She would definitely see you and acknowledge you and have some kind of conversation with you. That said, our next story is friend used me as bait for a guy she didn't tell me she liked made it obvious she didn't think much of me and then was shocked when i was seeing the guy when i female 18 was about a year out of high school i started working at a restaurant in a much wealthier community than the working class one i'd grown up in i started as a hostess and then got promoted to waitstaff after a while i started to bond with this girl gretchen female 18 who was a hostess she relied on me to vent to and share all of her troubles with Her parents were not nice, only caring about money and social status. I started hearing about how she was having trouble with infighting and backstabbing among this friend group, many of whom also worked at this restaurant. The restaurant was a place where a lot of young people from the area hung out. I felt bad for her, but I also enjoyed her sense of humor and intellect. And we shared a lot of similar tastes in music and style, so she and I became good friends. At one point, she introduced me to this guy, Chris, male 18, that she knew. He and I instantly had chemistry, and I could tell he was very into me. He started coming around the restaurant a lot, sitting in my section, and one day, when Gretchen wasn't there, he asked for my number. It felt like the friends I'd always wanted were finally coming together, like my life was about to launch. All of these people lived in their parents' giant, opulent mansions in this very upscale town driving luxury cars their parents gave them, while I would slink back to my broken-down Honda that I'd park in a hidden spot and drive to my family's tiny house in the working-class town with its broken-down pickup trucks on cement blocks in people's yards, feeling like an alien in both worlds. I was slightly older than some of my new friends, being a year out of high school while most of them had just graduated, but felt worlds less sophisticated than they appeared to be. Anyway, I didn't really understand why she was so eager to introduce us. Why didn't she want him for herself? It was very cute. It was only later in retrospect that I looked back on the way she introduced us and realized she was using me to bait him to come around the restaurant. So he and I started to hook up. I didn't get why he wanted to be so secret about it at first, but I'll admit that he was about 10 times hotter than any guy I've ever dated and I let myself get swept up into a mostly physical relationship. He asked me not to tell Gretchen because he could tell she was into him, and although I thought that was silly as she had introduced us, so obviously if she had ever had any romantic feelings for him, she was over it, but I reluctantly agreed. 
Not my proudest moment, Gretchen and I began to hang out more and more and became BFFs. We began to spend every free moment together. My secret hooking up with Chris felt more and more deceitful and I cooled it down with him a little, but I was young and didn't know how to handle the situation, and I'm sure I did everything wrong. I thought that I was beginning to fall in love with Chris, but didn't like being a secret hookup, so just sort of let it continue half-hearted and in secret. I'll admit this wasn't smart or good. After a while, I got a job in another restaurant, as there was too much drama at that restaurant, and I could make more money at this new place and wanted to go to college. But I continued to hang out with the people I met through the first restaurant. Gretchen and I went Christmas shopping together one day at the mall and took a break to eat lunch. That's when I accidentally got a glimpse of her Xmas present shopping list as she checked it off. She had high dollar values listed next to the names of all these high status, wealthy, good looking, and cool people that I suddenly realized she was desperately trying to become good friends with. $100 here, $200 there. And then there was my name, supposedly her best friend, with $5 listed next to it. It instantly made my heart sink. I don't care about expensive gifts, but it made me realize how little she valued me with an actual dollar sign to prove it. Nobody owes me anything, but I'd already spent over $50 for her Christmas gift and I felt like a schmuck, realizing we weren't actually best friends and she saw me as someone to spend time with until better people came along. Among the names of her high-value people that she was desperate to become friends with, that she was willing to spend all of her parents' money to try to win over, was Chris. The guy that she introduced me to that I was now seeing, she had $200 next to his name. I began to feel sick to my stomach. I didn't say anything to her, as I probably shouldn't have looked over at her list, as it wasn't meant for my eyes. But then something happened that really made my blood boil. She began to tell me how much she was in love with Chris, that she was sure he was her soulmate, that she thought about him every day, all day. If she had said even a fraction of this to me when she introduced him to me, there's no way I would have hooked up with him. I suddenly felt all kinds of emotions swirling around at once. Why had she withheld this information from me? And why was she telling me this now? I began to realize she had been using me to keep him around. Then she started going on and on about how she had spent all night on the phone with him the night before, which I knew was a lie because he was with me. I sat there seething and beginning to hate her, and finally interrupted her to say, None of that is true. He wasn't on the phone with you last night. She got this look on her face that I will never forget, instant knowing and aware that I not only caught her in her fantasy land delusional lie, but also knowing why I knew what he did the night before. She just sat there looking into my face and me looking back at her. I relished the look of hate and betrayal that had come over her face. I gave it right back to her. You could tell that she never expected little, stupid, trashy me to betray her in this way. I was just supposed to be her lapdog, always there for her, but with no needs or wants of my own. Friendship over. She told everyone from the restaurant about what an evil backstabbing bench and a man-stealing tramp I was, and all of my friends from that job stopped contacting me. But you know what? Freak her and freak them. Honestly, and I'm sure OP knows, it's pretty clear that all of those friends from that job stopped contacting OP 
because they were on Gretchen's payroll. You can't get in bad with the person who's willing to spend 50 bucks on a Christmas gift for you or whatever. If she's even willing to give that, maybe they're just doing it for the $5 gifts. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.